Nothing you hear in this program constitutes investment advice. It is an expression of opinion only. This is Frisbees, Bulls and Bears. Talking money and markets, what's happening and why. We talk to the experts, the traders, the investors and the companies they're investing in. You're listening to Frisbee's Bulls and Bears with Dominic Frisbee. Hello and welcome to Frisbee's Bulls and Bears with me, Dominic Frisbee. It is my pleasure in this week's programme to welcome back to the show Frank Holmes. Frank is Chief Executive and Chief Investment Officer at US Global Investors, which specialises in natural resources and emerging markets investing. Frank, welcome back to the show. So, natural resources and emerging markets, when are we going to see a recovery? Well, I think the big thing, Dominic, is, is going back and saying, okay, what was the peak in gold at 1900? And what were the patterns with that fear trade and allowed trade I've articulated many times in the past? And on that fear trade, it's negative interest rates. And we had 10-year government bonds at a negative 2%. And uh, basically, you had almost a 3% negative rate of return. Uh, you're losing money on five-year governments. And that was the all-time peak negative returns on government, U.S. government bonds, and that related to gold hit 1900 uh, for the fear trade. And on the love component, and that was the peak in emerging markets, in particular China, stimulating the world in 2009. Uh, they started raising interest rates in 2011 to try to slow down the huge surge in money supply. So we have witnessed for the past now four years at the end of this next month of declining real GDP in many of the emerging countries. And that's so key for this love trade. So those are the two factors that have impacted gold. And then you have this impact in many of the other metals. Yeah. And so, I mean, where do we go from here? Well, it's it, the stimulus package is to take a look at what's happening in Europe because Europe is actually a larger economic platform of trade than, with China than America is. So if Europe gets its act together and we get some more trade between China and Europe, then this will be very, very positive for real GDP growth in, in Asia. Uh, so I think that that's a key factor. Um, the other factors to take a look at what's taking place in America, how long can America sustain rising strong dollar of the world and maintain its export levels. Uh, but right now it is the uh, economic engine that's holding up the world. Yeah. Um, a lot of people who listen to the show, are, you know, were heavily into natural resource stocks and uh, a lot of people made a lot of money out of them and then went on to lose a lot of money in natural resources and and I mean I'm looking at you know oil now below seventy five dollars gold at twelve hundred or just below silver at sixteen dollars you know copper at three dollars and you know the, the saying goes that people have short memories but I, I don't think they do and I think people are going to remember these losses for a long time and I, I, certainly about commodities and resource stocks I, I mean I just think it's you know, we may have seen the ultimate bottom, 
But I think it's going to be a long time before we get another bull market. What, what do you think about that? Well, I think there's lots of you know um, sage thoughts on that uh, that theory uh, because the last great boom is when we had synchronized growth. You had synchronized growth in Europe, in America, and Asia. And we've yet to see this synchronized growth, except for when the world became fearful and started pumping all this money. America put in $700 billion in fiscal stimulus and then dropped interest rates. Uh, you had uh, China put in a record amount of capital into, into its economy. Same thing with, in Europe. But, you know, it's this synchronized growth. And, and so philosophically, the, the backdrop is going to be demographics. Um, seven billion people, and every day people are having sex and having babies, and it's just going to grow. So I think that that will create the next big surge when you, when you finally get this synchronized act together. But one of the things I've noticed is that G20 countries, when they meet, it used to be on trade. Now it's all about tax collection. I, it's uh, worried about um, uh, the sheriff of Nottingham. You basically have 20 of them roaming around the world on a regular basis trying to coordinate and tax anything and everything that moves. And that, uh, that automatically is a huge friction. If it's not bureaucracy of tracking and, and taxation and, and, and tariffs, uh, it does have an impact on economic uh, synchronized growth that we had 2001 right through the 2007. So I think I would agree with you. Uh, I would look for where you have a coordinated fiscal uh, stimulus because they used to meet and talk about world trade, economic development, dropping tariffs. There was all these special trade agreements, and now there are all these special agreements for taxation. Okay, so how are you positioning your funds at the moment? Is it how many funds? Is it U.S. Global? There is it thirteen. There are 13 mutual funds at U.S. Global. How are you positioning the various funds? Well, I think the big part is, is looking for who's throwing off uh, free cash flow. Um, we look for top-line revenue per share growth. Uh, we like to rank them uh, from biggest to smallest on a revenue per share. We like to see who has the, uh, when it comes to uh, dividend growth and income, uh, who has the uh, uh, lowest payout and who has the highest free cash flow. Uh, the other factors that seem to have have fared much better in the past three years, four years, of looking for companies which have this signature. Uh, it doesn't matter if it's energy or basic materials. So what do we see? Where's those opportunities? Well, I tell you, airlines, trucking in America, unbelievable, uh, great success with energy falling. Uh, and uh, you're seeing in other parts of, of um, the economy, chemical companies have done exceptionally well in America. Refineries, because the natural gas prices are so much cheaper here for exploration and development than Europe, uh, we are able to create plastics and, and refined products and export them around the world. So they're the industries which are showing, throwing off dividend increases, high cash flow. Uh, you're also seeing a renaissance in housing. So you can see that the pulp and paper companies, uh, wood companies, they're doing very well. And, and this past uh, six months, with the drop in energy prices, you're seeing a huge boom in consumer spending. So you can look at the, the Home Depots and the Lowe's. Uh, so this is where you're, you're seeing, for us, uh, growth in revenue and cash flow. Mm -hmm. So are, are you avoiding commodity producers, the, the uh, oil stocks, the miners? 
Well, when you need to look at the energy space, there's not many companies that can really show this robust growth in its cash flow, uh, except for the refineries and uh, the chemical companies. Uh, when it comes to, in the U.S., they have a unique feature, which is also very tax-inspired. You know, it's uh, MLPs, like REITs, where they pay out most of their income, and they have high free cash flow to pay out. It's the infrastructure build-out for the energy uh, renaissance that's taken place in America. So MLPs have fared exceptionally well. Uh, and what's really impressive, you look at charts and you say, well, how much has oil come off, Dominic, in the past six months and then risen here? These um, uh, MLPs have been great performers for the past one, three, and five years. When, let me ask you a question, Frank. When did, when did you start? How long uh, when, did you found U.S. Global? I um, no U.S. Global was the first Nobel Gold Fund. It had huge financial problems uh, in the late '80s, and I came in and put capital in and restructured its balance sheet uh, and cleaned up its um, its business model. Uh, and when was that? In the '90s. In the '90s, I moved down to Texas 25 years ago, oh, so wow. it's a quarter of a century. So they like to say I'm a Texan, Texan Canadian, <laughs> living here. Okay, fantastic. And you, I mean, you presumably, you know, rode the great commodities bubble up, uh, the great commodities bull market up to, to 2011. And I mean, are you kind of thinking now, you know, maybe we need to reposition the, 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 the company to, to move away from natural resources and because, because the bear market's so bad? Or what, what are you thinking now? No, I don't think so. I, I think that uh, one has to take a look at those, those bottom-up stock-picking value drivers. Um, which I meant, you know, which which companies have low cost of producing a product, have free cash flow, uh, and have the capacity to increase their production at a profitable margin. Uh, they're the companies. So when you want to look at the gold space, the most lucrative companies are, are Rand Gold. Um, and when you go to North America, it's the royalty companies that have the high margins, and, and they've done exceptionally well, Dominic. Have you seen what Franco Nevada has done for one, three, and five years, Royal Gold? I mean, you wouldn't think it's a bear market in gold stocks. Yeah. So I think one has to be, you know, look for those companies which have a higher margin cushion, um, that uh, have uh, the capacity to be able to turn on a dime, uh, fleet of foot is is key. Uh, and I think that uh, one of the big issues we've experienced is a lot of these governments in Africa and Latin America uh, have moved the goalposts on a regular basis. So they've been extremely disruptive to capital. Uh, they've uh, basically, Brazil, any companies in Brazil seems to have massive financial problems. The bureaucracy, I know from the deals that we've done there, we just won't go there. I mean, that's to us is a no-fly zone. Uh, it's a great place to go watch uh, uh, soccer games, uh, football, but uh, and party in, on, in Rio de Janeiro, but the bureaucracy is unbelievable. Just stunning. And uh, now it looks like Luna Gold go bankrupt. Uh, we have Colossal, which is a, a, a colossal di disaster. Uh, HRT, uh, even their major oil uh, energy company. So it is a, a real challenging country. And you've seen Colombia uh, become a populist. The, uh, the Economist just wrote an article on the sort of populist socialist movement that's been taking place in, in Latin America. And that makes it very difficult to attract capital. 
So I, I think it's uh, several factors that have taken place uh, in this sort of correction. But remember, the world is, is continues to grow and be connected. Uh, you take a look at Facebook now with 500 million people using their messenger system. Uh, the world is so much more connected, and everyone wants a better lifestyle. Yeah. Yeah, but, I mean, it takes a long time, and there's plenty of supply for the moment. Uh, I mean, supply there's plenty of, of supply, but... I but I don't. I think the things you're going to see to slow down. I think you're going to see. Uh, you're going to start seeing supply from gold mines dropping. You're just going to yeah. see them. Projects aren't going to come on stream. They're just not going to come on stream. Yeah. And uh, you're going to see the ability of Mother Nature. These deposits are long. There's no new technology like you've had for fracking that boosts up to what we had in America in its energy space. So you have it very difficult and tedious to bring a project on in, in anywhere in Africa or Latin America. Uh, so and capital is fearful yeah. of these countries moving the goalposts. The thing is, so people I were don't... saying people were saying that kind of stuff last year, and then we produced three thousand tons worldwide, which is the most gold that's ever been produced. The most gold ever produced last year, twenty thirteen. Three thousand from tons. what country? Globally. From which countries they're produced? Globally. Because because what we see when we look at supply of gold mines, when, and we track 88 gold producers, they didn't hit a record. They actually declined. Global production was 3,000 tons last year, which is the record. Which is the, what I'm trying to share with you is that in our tracking, what we look at the 88 gold stock producers, because that's what we trade around, mm -hmm. then uh, it shrunk. It what didn't increase. What about um, oil at seventy-five bucks? What, 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 how's that going to affect fracking and all the uh, new oil producers in the United States? Some of the zones, uh, some of the areas will shut down immediately. And America is much more responsive; they'll just make cuts and adapt to it very quickly. Uh, and what's interesting is that the, the, the depletion, um, the decline rates for fracking are exceedingly high. They're not ten to five or five or twenty percent a year. They can be on average eighty percent a year. So you cut any type of this uh, exploration project, uh, then you're going to see uh, in a year from now huge declines in its supply. Um, so I, I think that that's something that's that's a key factor to look at versus uh, offshore uh, when you have a, a major discovery that the decline rates aren't as great. Yeah. So what do you, I mean, I, 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 I have to say I'm mystified by this fall in the oil price. I, I just don't, I'm completely flummoxed by it. I, I'm not. I, I think it's political. I think that it's the Putin uh, uh, bullet he's, he has to swallow. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that um, Kuwait and Saudi Arabia partner with the U.S. And, um, and the biggest thing to hurt Russia is falling oil prices. So they're the biggest exporter, and, and that really puts them in a bind. They've already gone through 20% of their foreign reserves uh, trying to defend their ruble. And um, so I'm, um, I think that that's what we're dealing with, and that's what happened with Ronnie Reagan. Uh, besides the Star Wars, which got lots of the front page, 
the amount of uh, equipment that went from America, government equipment that went through uh, the Pope, that went up to Eastern Europe, and particularly through Poland, and the deals cut with the Saudis to flood the world with oil, uh, basically evaporated any economic military power of Russia. Yeah. So I think that Putin has overstepped himself, and uh, they're coordinating themselves. It's a huge boom to America. I mean, the gas prices here are so cheap, uh, and you're starting to see them come off dramatically. And we were calculating that at one time it was $40 billion last month. It's now pushing out to be a $60 billion tax break to the average consumer in America. So what are they spending on? Take a look at Tiffany's. We own Tiffany's in our gold fund. Uh, it record volume. The stock jumped 5% yesterday on three times its normal volume. Uh, so you're, you'll see that spending take place there, and I think you'll see it in the U.K. also. You're just not going to see it in France, and you're going to see just like money leaves. I mentioned earlier, ducks on a pond will leave if you clap your hands. Guess what? Uh, when I was in England and London, all the hotels are, are young French and Spanish kids. Yeah, and Eastern They're being run. And so there's no jobs. They're educated, and uh, they're going to the U.K. Uh, looking for work. So what's your outlook for, go on, give us a couple of kind of target prices for gold and oil and copper, say, uh, as we move into 2015. What, what, what kind of targets do you have? Well, when I look at that, I basically just go off of volatility and, and know what the standard deviation move is. And for gold, it's plus or minus 15%. It's just normal volatility. Yeah. And for oil, it's, it's plus or minus 30%. So the correction from $100 down to 75 that's that's not a, a hysterical, uh, we'll come to an end, jump off a bridge uh, correction. It's just normal DNA volatility. Yeah. So with, with that, I, I don't get all worked up. But I think what you want to take a look at, I think is interesting, is Italy, for the first time, is going to change their fiscal policies for uh, unions. And uh, private equity, I was with a group of uh, Italian entrepreneurs that have a private equity firm. They have never invested in Italy, even though they're out of Milan. Uh, they're now looking at Italy. And one reason why you have uh, 48% unemployment for youth under 25 in Italy and Spain is these horrendous union-based socialist um, uh, rules and laws that prohibit young people from going out and getting a job. Uh, so now that fact that Italy is going to change their, and create a fiscal stimulus, I think that's really positive. Uh, and what we just have to see, it'll happen, is we'll get the synchronized growth again, and it'll happen. Now remember, in, two, in 1997, we had the Asian crisis, which was a currency crisis that Japan won its money back, and then all the other countries couldn't pay, so they unraveled their currencies, Thailand, Indonesia, Malaysia, uh, Philippines, etc. Then in 98, the trickle down was to Russia. It imploded. But four years later, it's a normal trend when you have a debt crisis. All of a sudden, those economic engines started trading up, and that was the bottom in 2001. Uh, and you had this incredible run. So how long will this, this last, this correction we're seeing in emerging markets? We're pushing four years, and you sound really pessimistic. This is good. I love you. I love you, Dominic. Keep it up. So how much when you're, when you're, uh, <laughs> when you're um, investing, I mean, you obviously have some strong political views. How, how much do you let your political views uh, impinge on your influence, your investment decisions? Well, you know, that's a good question. I don't have political party views. I have political policy views. 
Yeah. And and so there's always it's a simple binary model. Governments have monetary or fiscal policies to, to be able to manage their economy. Monetary policy are real interest rates and money supply. And fiscal policies are tax and spend. So are governments overspending and overtaxing? Uh, are they taking a larger share of the economy because they're not as smart as free market people are? Uh, the more socially, the more socialistic a country, I always like to ask the question: Was Facebook created there? Was cellular telephones created there? You know, just think of that. Uh, where people are at the capacity, when you get the intellectual creativity, where do they go? What country do they go where they have the best fiscal opportunities? Um, and so when I look at all these countries of the world, that's how I look at it. It doesn't matter if it's a conservative party or a liberal party. It's do they have balanced fiscal and monetary policies? Yeah. Okay. Um, the the. I, I, the reason I asked that question is, is you know, you had a few kind of um, digs in some of the things you said, of, you know, socialist that and socialist that and so on. And um, well, by the it, way, my politics are, uh, uh, you know, I'm pretty libertarian in my in my politics. But the I think one of the um, mistakes that a lot of uh, extreme gold bugs have made is to. Uh, get too political in their views about gold and ignore, you know, the fact that the price was falling. Yes, I would agree. And I'll tell you, the funny part is many, many hardcore gold bugs, they don't even buy gold. They just really have an emotional bent against government. Yeah. And uh, they, they miss it. And, and I've always advocated that 10% waiting and rebalance each year because there will be mishaps between balancing fiscal and monetary policies by governments. But what happens with socialist governments is that you find that they have higher tax rates and you find that they are elitist in the, in the school system they went through and they know better how to spend the money. And when you go back and, and do a, a rever look at, do a regressional study on it, you don't you only see when they have an economic economic stimulus is when they truly have fiscal stimulus where they create tax free zones and they attract the capital, the intellectual capital. So that's when I look at the socialist uh, socialist regime. Um, uh, they have the capacity that their smartest brains move. They go somewhere else. And it's interesting as a look at China. You know, China to turn its economy around in 1978 with Deng Xiaoping. He created seven tax-free zones. Ireland created a tax-free zone. Uh, to, and that's a fiscal stimulus that unleashes intellectual entrepreneurial spirit. Mm. All right. Well, good stuff, Frank. It's it's uh, it's uh, always a pleasure talking to you. You have some uh, uh, original ideas and some new angles to offer. And um, so, if uh, investors want to find out more about what you do and and your fund and so on, do you want to give out some details? Sure. I think that you know we are a public company, uh, Nasdaq G R O W. Uh, we have funds in the, in the U.S. Um, and I, it, it, only for Americans, uh, especially with all these international rules that have been created. So for those investors, it's just to go to usfunds.com and uh, you can take a look at the various products we offer. Uh, we are GARP investors. We look for growth at a reasonable price. And we like having a balanced portfolio for investors. 
uh, and to understand um, the geopolitics. My blog is read by tens of thousands of investors in 170 countries. Good stuff, Frank. And uh, you're coming to England next week. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. I, I'm excited to see uh, how the, the economy is doing. I read nothing but great things. And uh, so I look forward to being over there. Uh, the economy is doing fine as long as you've got nothing to do with mining. Yeah, so same thing in, in Vancouver. Um, so, you know, it's just, it's just a cycle, and, and it's a, a great boom that took place. And uh, I don't know if I would say it's a bubble, Dominic, because it wasn't debt. All, all real serious bubbles are debt-driven. So the great crisis of 2008 was an unwinding of massive debt, in particular in the real estate uh, markets uh, globally. And, uh, and I think that this one, you know, that, that you look at it, how many of the mining companies are really excessively leveraged. Uh, I would say that's not much. And the cost of capital interest rates are so much lower. So that doesn't lend itself. Does it lend itself that um, they had budgets that ran away from them and uh, and then the lower commodity prices uh, basically says they have to rebalance themselves. It was a bubble in the fact that a vast amount of companies raised a vast amount of money based on assets that were never economic. They were never economic for for several factors and it was, and, and you see that a lot of CEOs have lost their jobs when they made bad decisions. And there was decisions which I've seen where it was just environmental or government policies, doesn't matter if it's in America or around the world, that impacted um, and changed the underlying structure of which you thought you were going to get that return on capital. So you did your model. You got approval from the government. Here's the commodity price. You could have gone and hedged it. It didn't matter. The government moved the goalposts. There was also and a massive amount of fraud, Frank. A lot of mining CEOs misled investors about the econom economics of their projects. They said we're going to be there's producing. There's no doubt. There's no doubt. And I said that earlier to you is that they lost their jobs. Yeah. You know, it's just that it happened in technology. It's happening in every sector. Um, they 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 go out and have too many verbs and adjectives for their noun. Yeah. That's just really simple. And, and as a money manager, our job is to try to weed through and see what the nouns are. And like Jerry Maguire movie, show me the money. Uh, a lot of these guys were not able to to show the money. But do you think that it's it's a mining CEO's fault of all the strikes in South Africa? No, but it's the mining CEO's fault if he chooses to set up a company that's operating in a, in a country like South Africa where there is obviously the threat of huge uh, political unrest. And, and stuff that took place in the Congo and the stuff that took place in, in Zambia where they changed but all I mean, the returns. When you make returns. a decision to go and operate in a country like that, you, 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 you can't, you're not, you've got to go in with your eyes wide open and realise that those countries have got a poor record. You know, if you're, if you're, if you're in that but, kind of business, I, I still don't understand why a company would go and operate there. Well, how about in the U.S. Uh, with um, trying to bring a project on stream and you have every environmentalist trying to stop it where you have 27% Environmentalism is not a new thing. You know, ever since I've been involved in the mining industry, people have been moaning about environmentalists. So go and operate, go and build a mine in a country where there aren't any environmentalists. So you tell me where the countries are where you're going to have a stable tax regime 
and you're not going to have a politicized well, there, are lists, by there are lists of them. You know, there's, there's all sorts of fund managers. I'm sure you've got lists of them. Top five countries I, to build a mine in and worst five countries to build a mine in. I'm sure you've yeah, got those I, kind of lists. So I, so I could pick five stocks for run a portfolio? <laughs> I said five countries, not five stocks. Yeah, but even five countries. You know, you know I, I think it's much more challenging than, than to make that unilateral across the board. And I, and I think that if you take a look at the fiscal drag, fiscal stimulus, and right now the governments are all trying to stimulate with cheap interest rates. They're trying to stimulate economic activity, what they're doing now in, in Europe. And uh, that's what they're hoping they're. They're not looking for uh, streamlining regulations and rules. Uh, they are not looking to create uh, a stable tax regime to attract capital. Uh, and so that's one of the big hurdles. It, it just, when we start seeing the G20 uh, go around the world about creating trade again, uh, then I think you'll see a change in a lot of those policies. But it's not there yet. So until that happens, you're going to be living with low interest rates, uh, higher taxes, and, uh, and that will stifle this uh, synchronized growth. Yeah, I, I would certainly agree with that, unless you can operate in areas like tech, which are kind of beyond government regulation because they're operating in areas of the economy that haven't been regulated yet. Because yep. then, you know. Anyway, Frank, it's uh, always a pleasure to talk to you, and you've already given out your, your website address, but uh, to anyone listening, once it's... Once I look again, forward to seeing you. Yeah, I'll see you next week, and it's US Global Investors. What would tell USFunds.com. USFunds.com. Great. That's the easiest way. Frank Holmes, thank you very much. Cheers. Frisbee's Bulls and Bears is presented and produced by Dominic Frisbee. To discuss the markets and have your say, why not visit our forum at globaledgeinvestors.com. That's globaledgeinvestors.com. To join our mailing list so you can be updated as soon as a new show is posted, please email info at dominicfrisbee.net or simply subscribe through iTunes.